What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. I'm John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. Today's malicious compliance video that came out on the other channel, go check that out. Link will be down below. Yeah, today's video, I look like a freaking hairy Oompa Loompa in that video. Somehow I got my saturation way off, and uh, yeah, I'm Irish. I'll never be that tan. So anyway, this looks a little better, a little more clear. Oh, dear Lord, I forgot something. I know some of you guys care. Some don't. The machine doesn't work. It must be the 14 years without issues code's fault. Hi, this is my first post. I have a headache and English isn't my first language, so I apologize in advance for any mistakes. For a bit of context, I've been working as junior programmer slash technician in a company that specializes in industrial automation for the past eight-ish months. Basically, I program and troubleshoot PLCs of industrial machines. Also, this is my first job ever, part-time while studying. The company is family-owned. My boss is the senior programmer. His son is who assembles all the electrical boards. His niece is who runs all the administrative stuff. And there's another guy and myself who also program, hired at the same time, both juniors. Today at 1400, I found out my boss forgot to tell me that there are two men coming from company A with an X-brand PLC so I can upload the latest version of the code to it because the current one isn't working. Oh, and they're coming from another province, five or so hours away, so quite the trip. Oh, and my boss isn't here. He's away somewhere. Now, I don't know what company A is or does. I've never used X-brand PLC before, so I don't know which software and cable I need, and I don't know the work order number, so I don't even know which code to upload. Therefore, I text my boss asking some of this stuff, and before he even reads it, they're here. Hi, nice to meet you. And they start blabbing off about problems with the machine, and the old PLC, and the new one, and mind you, I don't even know what the machine is or does. Well, my boss clarified some things, other ones I figured out on my own. I make a backup of the code currently uploaded just in case, and when I go to upload the latest version, I find out it's the same that's uploaded. Huh, strange. How long has it not been working? Oh, it worked fine with the old PLC, but two of its outputs are fried, so we put this new one in and it won't work. Did you do any changes to the code in the old PLC that we don't know about? Maybe my latest version isn't the latest latest? No, no, we never touch code. Well, for how long did the old PLC with this very same code work? Since 2008. <laughs> And that's where I concluded that it couldn't, in fact, be a software problem, and that they probably have a problem somewhere else. So they left as they came, without solving anything, but two hours later. I don't, I don't know what this equipment is or what it does, just like OP, but I'm sure, just like with computers um, and motherboards and things, after a certain amount of time, there's going to be less and less support, less and less of those parts, replacement parts made, things like that. So, uh, yeah, I have a feeling they just have something that's really too outdated to use and uh, need to start over. Maybe. I don't know. Guessing. The joys of either net. I used to work for a company that sold computers, mostly Apple, to K through 12 schools in Wisconsin. We sold a network of Macs to a middle school. The city name started with the letter P, and so the barricades they set up to block traffic at the start and end of the day were labeled PMS. <laughs> but back to the network story. The network was in the office and was made up of about six Mac computers, a file server, and it was the first Ethernet network we did for a school. They wanted to avoid the expense of a hub, so they went with thin Ethernet. Things got put together and everything worked well. 
About a month later, I got a call that the network at PMS was down, and I had to go there ASAP. I was an hour and a half from the office, and this school was another two hours past that. I got in the car and started driving. This was before cellular service was common, and I spent most of the drive in cellular dead zones. I decided it would be a good idea to have a few extra parts with me when I got there, but where to stop and get them in rural Wisconsin? I did find a radio shack, and they had BNC connectors, BNC T connectors, but no BNC terminators, so I also bought some resistors so I could make my own terminators. I got to the school and started troubleshooting the network. It didn't take long to discover that one of the secretaries had removed the terminator from the back of her computer. It was positioned in such a way that the back of the computer was visible all the time. She said that she took it off and threw it away because she said it was just a broken off part of the cable and it must not be necessary. Oh god. I replaced the terminator and told her not to remove the broken connector terminator ever again. She said she understood. A few weeks go by and I get another call that there is an emergency at PMS and I need to drop everything and go there ASAP. I tried to call and see if someone had removed the terminator but no one there knew what I was talking about. I'd also used the previous emergency as justification to carry a few parts in the trunk. I get to the school and go immediately to the computer that had been the source of the problem previously. Sure enough, the terminator was missing again. The secretary told me again that she didn't see why this little plug was needed as it didn't go to another computer. I ignored her question and asked her how she was feeling. She told me she felt fine. I asked if she didn't feel a little lightheaded, dizzy, woozy. She kept saying she felt fine and wanted to know why I kept asking. I told her that the network was called Ethernet and that they used special cables that used ether to insulate the wires. Ether. Oh my god. The little cap she kept removing allowed the ether to escape and this could cause her to lose consciousness. <laughs> Here we go. She was shocked that the network would use something as dangerous as ether in a school setting, but she never removed the Terminator again. <laughs> I totally wasn't getting that when I read the title. Oh my god, that's fantastic. Okay, it's like you go buy a new car and you see something that you've never used before. You don't know that you'll ever use it. So let's just pluck it off the car. Why not? You don't know what it does. You don't know what it is. Why, why touch it? Especially a second time after being told that it's important, don't touch it, and that you understood. Oh, and this lady was working around children. Great. Missing mouse balls in school. I used to work for a computer reseller, and we specialized in K-12 schools in Wisconsin. Oh, same guy. This was back in the late 1980s and early 1990s. We sold Apple products primarily. I had a call from a customer. He had a lab in a school for 7th through 9th graders. He started by telling me he wasn't trying to be obscene or anything like that, but students had started stealing the balls out of the mice. They were coated with a rubber-like substance and the kids thought they would bounce, but they didn't bounce as the ball was actually metal. I made a few comments about how this sounded very inappropriate and acting offended by his talk about balls. He kept trying to convince me it was computer mice and not real mice. I finally admitted I'd been having some fun making fun of him. I then asked him if they were large or small balls. <laughs> I, then I then asked if they were large or small balls. He hung up on me and wouldn't take my calls. <laughs> Got <he. laughs> I had to have my boss call me and explain that Apple had different color mouse balls and they were different sizes. I really did need to know which color and size had been taken. 
I also encouraged him to not glue the retaining ring to the mouse because mice would build up dust that clogged the rollers. If the balls were glued in, it made it impossible to clean the mouse balls and rollers. This was long before the advent of optical mice. <laughs> I am so immature. I'm like a 12-year-old <laughs> mouse balls. Yeah, I remember dealing with those, man. And having kids and pets, you know, makes for a kind of a dusty house. No matter how much you clean and try to keep on top of it, your house is always going to be dustier and full of hair more than the average house. And when you have a mouse that has a rollerball in it, uh, that stuff's going to collect after a while. Plus the normal, you know, dead skin flakes and whatever, uh, the lint coming off the surface of your mouse pad, things like that. So, yeah, I remember cleaning the, the rubber surface of the balls and then uh, taking a Q-tip and some alcohol and cleaning the rollers off, you know, getting whatever gunk was on them off. Probably had to do that once every couple months. Man, I am so glad for not only optical mice, but wireless optical mice. Password woes. Got a ticket from a faculty member yesterday about not being able to log in. They've been on sabbatical, basically a year-long leave college professors can get to study instead of their typical responsibilities. We had a remote session today and I watched him enter his current email password unsuccessfully as well as the last password that had worked with the laptop while he was at home for a year. I asked him to make sure he was entering his most recent email password, and he said he was. Basically, it quit working as soon as he came back to campus and wanted his new password but wouldn't take it. After doing some troubleshooting, I unjoined it from the domain and rejoined it. It sounds like he wasn't told to connect to VPN at least once a month to keep this from happening. After doing so and restarting, it still wasn't letting him in. After a few tries, he said, I'll be honest, I might be typing something wrong. I have my email password saved in my browser, so it's not like I'm entering it every day. Facepalm. He doesn't have it saved on his phone or anything, so we reset his password and he's finally able to get in. Then about 30 minutes after that call ended, he calls me and leaves a message stating he can no longer edit Word documents because it's asking to activate Office. This is typical for the first time with Office, but I've never seen it lose its activation for whatever reason. I call him back. He's on his way home, and I tell him how to sign in to activate Office. He then calls me back when he's home, saying it's not working. He claims that the Activate Office button doesn't bring up any prompts whatsoever. I'm able to remote on again after walking him through getting VPN connected. I see the Activate Office button, click it, and it immediately brings up a prompt for him to log in. He's grateful for all the help I've provided today. This was an older guy who seemed confused anytime I got too technical, so I do think the confusion was ignorance and not malice. That's okay. That you can deal with. It's a little frustrating sometimes, but it's better than some lady deciding that she doesn't need some random part on her computer and starts plucking them off and throwing them away. But yeah, I mean, it was probably outside of his wheelhouse. He was an older guy used to teaching with, you know, books and papers and dealing with everything manually, not so much on a computer. So, uh, and VPNs and work from home and all that stuff. So good on you for being patient and walking him through all that. Uh, hopefully he got the system down where he was just able to, you know, connect to the VPN, keep everything up to date. So what are you paying me for? So this just happened a little while ago. Some background. I'm a corporate employee. I, with almost 35 years of experience, am a systems admin but also do user support for some things. For the American arm of an international company, in the U.S. we have three manufacturing plants plus a separate U.S. headquarters. My chain of command is me, manager slash admin, department director, then U.S. CFO, then U.S. president. Huh? 
Oh, U.S. company president. I'm not really sure if any of that is important, actually. The VP of production has zero supervisory authority over me, but he really wants to think that he does. VP decided to get involved in an IT issue that got pushed to a lower priority. Install some software on a computer for a user that usually leaves his computer off. While VP obviously did not care why and attempted to not ask why, that request got demoted, but still demanded that I hunt the guy down inside of a 19,000 square foot production facility and install this software. So when I started to explain to him that I have much more pressing issues I must address and that he can call me later today, his computer is off right now. VP says, I don't want to hear that in a heavy Japanese accent. I replied with, well, they don't pay me to lie to you, and even if they did, I still wouldn't, so I don't need to care about what you don't want to hear. <laughs> about 20 minutes later, the CFO calls me, asks what's going on. I explained the above to him, and we laughed. Just a couple minutes ago, an email from the CFO came in, with me CC'd to the VP, to this effect. Richie does not get involved in what other people don't want to hear, and he prioritizes his workload as he sees fit. Even I know this, so please familiarize yourself. That feels good, man. The software install will wait until tomorrow. I have a print server I have to rebuild. Yeah, even some bosses need to know their place. If that's not under your jurisdiction, then shut up. Don't try to throw your weight around and just make things worse, you know? When I worked in the cabinet shop, we had a shop supervisor, then we had an office manager inside the office, and then we had the big boss. Then we had some field guys who were in charge of their stuff out in the field. Well, the office manager was sort of in charge of the overall stuff around the company, but she wasn't to come directly to anybody, any employees, and tell them specifically what to start working on or what to change to or anything like that. She had no authority in that area. It either had to be our shop supervisor. Now, she could go to the shop supervisor and say, look, this other job's going to take priority, and then he tells us that's fine, uh, or the big boss comes to us or whatever. But one day she came storming out into the shop and even over the table saw that I was working on, I could hear those heels go click, clock, click, clock, click, clock. And she started yelling at two or three of the guys saying, you need to work on so-and-so's job. Um, no, we're, we were told to work on this job. If you got something different, you need to go to him because otherwise you're just going to screw up everything out here in the shop. And, you know, finally the big boss had to tell her to settle down and stay out of the shop. Why, oh why? It's been a while since I posted, but sometimes something happens that just can't be ignored. I work at a large university in the U.S., one of the top universities, in fact. That doesn't mean that the students, staff, or faculty are any more computer literate than any other clusers. clueless users. Why, oh why do they do this? One of my pet peeves is someone buying a fruit book computer and not knowing how to use the darn thing, and then assuming IT will teach them how to use it. Not our job. We will help you get connected to the university's network, but after that, you're on your own. Recently, I took a call from someone in a residence hall trying to connect his fruit book to the network with an Ethernet cable. Now, even though this is a top five university, the Wi-Fi network really sucks in some places, so connecting with an Ethernet cable is the way to go. Only graduate housing is allowed to have a router, alleviating the problem somewhat. Undergrads are stuck with dealing with the Wi-Fi or plugging in an Ethernet cable. English was not this person's first language, but I don't have a problem with that. I once connected a Chinese language iPhone to our Wi-Fi network. It sometimes takes a try or two to get across what I want him to do, but between the two of us we managed. At least until it comes time to accept the network certificate. So after 20 minutes, we're down to the last item. 
would have taken half that time if not for the fact he was not familiar with the fruit book. So it's been a frustrating 20 minutes for both of us. Me. Now you'll be asked to accept the network certificate. Click yes. Him. I clicked no. <laughs> Me. Mutes the phone, screams internally, bangs head on desk. I unmute the phone and say in a calm, measured voice, Okay, let's go back to step blah blah blah. We're finally able to get him connected and all is well. Fortunately, since student help is a priority, we're able to take as long as it takes to resolve an issue without worrying about call metrics, so no problem on length of calls. But why oh why do people buy fruit books without a clue how to use them? I've worn a divot in my desk from banging my head there. I sort of get it. It's fine to buy one of those computers if you don't know how to use it. I mean, you got you to gotta learn how to use it somehow. But when you're in the middle of college and stuff, that's really a bad time to try to learn that stuff. If you're doing classes or something for work, go with what you know, if you're allowed. Uh, if it's a company mandated or a school mandated thing that you must have the fruit book, then you got to do what you got to do. But you also need to figure out how to, you know, get some sort of lessons from somebody. IT is not the place. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.